Hey everybody, welcome back to the BLP Bulletin. I'm Danielle Berman and it is Monday, June 14th. Before we get into this week's bulletin, just a reminder, we may be wrapped on season two, but we are already working on getting some awesome season three episodes locked in and recorded. So as always, if you know an athlete doing some great work in the community that we need to highlight in future interview episodes, let us know. All right, let's get right to this week's bulletin. All right. Our first article from this week's bulletin is about uh, NFL superstar work done. He is a three-time Pro Bowl running back. He played with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons, and he sat down with NFL Network to host a conversation about excuse me, diversity and inclusion as a part of his organization, his nonprofit organization's Juneteenth celebration. As we all know, Juneteenth is coming up this Saturday. It's the 19th. It is the celebration of what occurred in 1865. June 19th is a day that enslaved Black people here in the U.S. learned that they had been emancipated. Um, Again, as a country, we really haven't celebrated this until the last couple of years. So a lot of companies are now giving employees off on the 18th this Friday um, in honor of, uh, of Juneteenth. And it's a day that, again, we're really trying to celebrate, I think, a lot of us as a whole to remember our past and remember and reckon with the fact that, you know, not too long ago, this was a really big issue. So Work done is hosting this converse, hosted this conversation, I should say, as part of his organization's Juneteenth celebration. And he's also hosting on June 25th a kind of virtual wine, dine, cigar event, including some NFL Hall of Play, Hall of Famers, other celebrities. And his mission is to empower families to break the cycle of generational poverty. And he has a really good quote here. He said, It really starts with housing. That's the quickest way to build wealth in this country for families, but also having stability creates opportunities for kids to live a better and stable life, to perform better in school, to want to thrive, and just to be better, just want to be better. Having stable housing is key to that. I think that's really important quote from work done. Again, thinking about He's making all of this impact, but he's focusing on one aspect. He's focusing on housing and housing by providing housing and giving people access to stability and and a place to call home can cause all of these positive effects. And I think it's important to highlight that he's focused in on one critical piece of the puzzle saying, this is where I can help. This is where I can contribute. And there's so many positive ramifications from that indirectly. So I think that's, again, a great idea. Just again, example for athletes to look at and see that again, he's, he's been building homes for years. And this is also transitioned into financial literacy, teaching kids how to eat healthy and affordable meals. Um, but I think the idea is he focused in on this housing inequality issue and said, I want to solve that problem. Anything else is, is bonus, right? But this is the problem I want to solve. And so um, he ends up saying, you know, it ends the article, excuse me, by saying, Quote, for me, it's really supporting those families and those individuals along that journey of homeownership, but also pushing them to do their part. We don't give handouts. What we do is we really assist families and give them a hand up. So congrats to work done. Thanks for having this conversation, one, about diversity and inclusion on a really big level um, on NFL Network and and on a kind of bigger stage. And two, for really showing athletes around the world and around activism that it is really important to focus in on what makes sense for you and start with one thing. What's that one thing you can do, you can have control over? 
Um, the next article I want to highlight is from ESPN. Uh, they did a feature about a BMX rider, Chelsea Wolf, who's in line for competing for Team USA at the Tokyo Olympics. And she is a transgender athlete. And she is sitting in third place in the Team USA standings. And if that stays the case as of now, she'll be an alternate. And thus she would be the first out trans athlete to ever compete on team USA. I think that is incredible. Um, when they asked her about it, um, she said, I don't think I fully wrapped my head around how exciting this is, how exciting it is and how incredible it is to make it so far with this wild dream of mine that I've dedicated my life to for the past five years. So I think that's really awesome to see. Um, that she's so excited for you, for herself and for this extreme historic groundbreaking barrier she would be, you know, creating here. And she was asked about this, right? She was asked about the anti-trans legislation coming out in the U.S. in college and high school sports. And someone, you know, in the article that the author asked her, you know, it, it, you know, how can you make an impact and your visibility uh, among young LBG, LGBTQ plus athletes? Um, and she said this, quote, you are valuable and valid and your rights are just as important as anyone else's. And we're not going to let anyone take that from you. If you can live life openly as yourself in a world so hostile to your existence, then you have already have the strength of a champion. I think that's a fantastic quote for Chelsea to say. I'm so excited to see her success and I can't wait to see her as an alternate in the Tokyo Olympics coming up. I think it's a really, really important historic milestone to see this and we'll be rooting for Chelsea absolutely in the BMX um, part of the Olympics. Bix. Okay, our next article is from Forbes.com and it is about this new initiative in hockey to champion diversity. It's called the Carnegie Initiative. If you are not aware of the Carnegie legacy in hockey, 60 years ago, a Canadian hockey player named Herb Carnegie founded the Future Aces program with the mission to make hockey more diverse and inclusive. Think about that 60 years ago. He is best known for turning down the New York Rangers twice after an NH after that team offered him less money than he was making playing hockey in Quebec. That means he did not necessarily break down the NHL color barrier because he never took that contract. So Willie O'Ree, Hall of Famer, was the man to break that NHL color barrier in 1958. But today, Herb's daughter, Bernice Carnegie, and a former NHL executive, Bryant McBride, partnered together and announced a first of its kind, according to Forbes nonprofit, with the mission to ensure, and I quote, that hockey is inclusive, supportive, and welcoming to all. They're called the Calling It the Carnegie Initiative. It will also award academic grants and other resources towards to support those addressing change in hockey, both in Canada and the US. Um, Bernice Carnegie said, and I quote, hockey is a great game. And my father worked hard throughout his life to make sure opportunities existed for all. The Carnegie initiative can now focus with the necessary resources and outreach to expand his work and help those who need it thrive both on and off the ice. And I think it's really cool to see. This is their all-star board of directors. They have Olympic silver medalist, Sarah Nurse, Hockey Hall of Famers, Angela James and Grant Fuhrer. Black Girl Hockey Club founder, Renee Hess, 
veteran NHL execs, Brian Burke and Ted Nolan are also among these other board members. Um, and so I think this is a powerful organization, right? Brian McBride, who is the first black executive at the NHL became that in 1994. And now he works as a consultant for the league. He said, quote, change in hockey and opening the game for all is something that grow that is growing, but needs to be accelerated. And we believe that the time to do that has never been better. He said, there are so many efforts going on, both big and small to help expand the game. And our goal is to shed light on those communities as well as help those still being marginalized change problems that exist. We will do it holistically and without any bias. So I think that is really cool. I love seeing this. They said they're going to talk and engage in rigorous academic research. They're going to examine governing bodies, create substantive and authentic change throughout hockey. They're going to highlight success stories and best practices within sports. So this is incredible. I love seeing this. As you all know, the NHL has been really focusing in on diversity and inclusion. Um, they have fantastic executives like Bryant Consulting, and they also have their own vice president, Kim Davis of diversity and inclusion, who is working really hard to transform hockey in this area. So I think this is a fantastic initiative that the Carnegie uh, family is working on. So congrats to Bernice Carnegie and to Bryant McBride for setting this up. And we are so excited to continue to follow the work they will do. Finally, I wanted to highlight an article from Sky Sports. I'm sure it was featured in other places as well, um, but it was about taking a knee and across the football world internationally. So obviously we're not talking American football here. We're talking international football fans across Europe were asked about taking a knee and if they support it. Um, many of the knees that have been taken across European soccer and across soccer all over the world have been in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And YouGov, which is collected as a research organization, they collected data from nine European countries and got opinions from over 4,500 fans. And they found that more supporters tend to support the gesture from across Europe, but are split on its importance in tackling racism. So I wanted to just highlight a couple of things that this article said. It looks, you know, from looking at the survey in England, 54% said they support players and staff taking a knee to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Half of those people, so about 27%, said they strongly support it. The other half said somewhat. 39% of football fans in England said they opposed players taking that knee. Um, so that's interesting. In Scotland, it was about 49% saying they supported players taking a knee. In Wales, 53% said it. They were supportive. They also... Um, looked at other fans in different European countries. Portugal had the highest with 79% support, Italy, 73% support, and Spain, 71% support. And only the ne Netherlands had less support and more opposition. They had 45% not supporting the new move and 44% in favor. So it's very interesting to see that people are generally supporting this internationally, right? Um, but when it comes to the question of how important the gesture is in tackling racism, we see a lot of different results, right? Again, in England, where we said 57 thought it was, you know, really important, uh, excuse me, really, they supported it, right? The majority said they supported it. Only 37% of fans in England thought it was important in tackling racism, right? So that's key. Again, in Scotland, where it was 49% support, found that only 36 
percent of fans thought it was important in tackling racism, right? In Wales, it was a little more evenly split. 41% said it was important, but I think that's really key. Again, uh, Portugal said 76%, Spain said 66%, and Italy said 54% said it was, you know, important in tackling racism. I think it's important to realize that while people may support the act of taking a knee, it is significant in, in showing and kind of highlighting that these same people also don't think it's necessarily as important in tackling racism. And so I think it's really interesting to see this, these, this data. Um, again, it became widely known as Colin Kaepernick from the NFL took a knee and it became really, really widely adopted in sports across the world. So again, I think you're going to see a lot more people taking a knee to raise awareness, to highlight this. They talked to a few players that said, you know, um, it's, it's something that's becoming a, a routine. Um, and you know, some players are saying, I fully respect my teammates who continue to take a knee, I don't take a knee. Um, so it's interesting to hear this. I encourage you to go read this article from Sky Sports and really look at the data. But I think that distinction is really important. There's a difference between supporting the, the act of taking a knee, right? Oh, I support Black Lives Matter and I support it. You know, I'm, I want to be anti-racist. But to what effect does taking a knee actually spur change is a really big discrepancy. And I think it's important to highlight that because while taking a knee is a huge symbol and it means something, we need action behind that. We need actual dollars invested. We need actions to be taken by leadership, by those in charge of monetary investment. We need leadership in, in sports across the board. It can't just be the athletes that are putting the symbol out there. We need teams to be kind of putting the money where the athlete's mouth is. So I think that's a really important distinction. I'm really glad to see this study came out mostly positive, you know, from a lot of places around taking a knee. Um, but I think it's just an interesting thing to keep in mind that yes, taking a knee is huge and it's great to see this show of support, but we need more action behind it because even fans that support it know that it's not necessarily important to actually making change around racism in sports and in society in general. And that's our roundup for this week's bulletin. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week and we will see you back here next Monday for another BLP bulletin.